A quick note before we begin. This episode makes reference to domestic violence and childhood sexual abuse. Listener discretion is advised. It then comes back to the fact that I'm not comfortable with my own death and how that will look like one day. I really wonder how the world will lay me to rest and what will be, and what will be said. How my family will begin the process of, of Uglanda, Umoyawam, from wherever I have passed on from, and taking it back to the Eastern Cape. I'm fascinated about the outfit they're going to put me in. I'm fascinated about the wig they're going to place me in. I'm fascinated about the makeup, the casket they're going to choose. Are we all just going to tiptoe around the fact that you're bearing your child who now has breasts? Or are we going to celebrate that? Will you allow my people to come and bury me and say they lost dondons uh, 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 to me? Or will you exclude them from the ceremony? From the Institute for Creative Arts at the University of Cape Town, this is the ICA podcast, where we interview South African artists and curators who perform or curate live interdisciplinary works. I'm Nkhopuleng Meloi, host of the season three of the ICA podcast, and you are listening to episode four, featuring interdisciplinary artist Lukanyisa Skosana and her 2022 performance in Kodugo Yamankazana, the return of the home of Hallets. Ingotugo Yamankazana is a deeply personal work that sees the artist continuing to grapple with her identity and family histories. Death, grief, loss, and ultimately recovery, rest, and return are all at the heart of the performance, layered and filled with memories of personal events experienced by the artist. The work takes place in three installments. Firstly, a performance in UCT's Hidden Hall, initiated by Skosana's melodic voice. Secondly, a video installation. And the final part, a performance taking place outside again in Bertram's garden, a small garden on Hidden Campus. In today's episode, we embark on an intimate journey with Lukanyisos Kosana through her expressive and deeply haunting performance in Kodugo Yamankazan. So, and every time this question comes up, I freeze because I'm still like, what does it mean? Um, simple translation would mean light. Um, my mother often says when I was named by the family is that there was a quite like a dark cloud surrounding the family. And apparently my birth enlightened or put some stuff into perspective for them as, as parents, newly parents, um, and as a newlywed couple. To me, what it means now, because since I started transitioning from tw- in 2016, I had the option of changing it, but I chose not to. Um, because I feel like I am light in a sense, although I'm afraid of that, of the full capacity of what, of what that light might be. Um, I am light. I've recently be- begun the journey of being love as well. Serenity, power, determination, confidence, but also sensitivity and, you know, being gentle. So it means a lot. 
Can you tell me a little bit about your childhood growing up? Um, did you kind of already have a sense that like music and, you know, dancing yeah. and performing would be a big part of your life? Yes. Um, so I grew up in a Christian household with um, a spirituality added here and there, depending on what we were doing as a family. Also, simultaneously, for a good 15 years of our childhood, there was, a, there was a plethora of domestic violence happening in the household. And so a lot of the time then you don't actually have the opportunity of being raised by your parents as f in their full capacity because they can barely, you know, take care of themselves and each other um, in that chaotic state of existence. And so you end up being forgotten a lot. And so the one thing I did decide, I don't know when, I can't even tell you, was that I won't be forgotten. I'm going to be loud. I am going, you, you will feel my presence 10 kilometers away from wherever you are, and it will linger for the rest of your life. I was always the child who was always trying to steal the lead role. And I always managed to get the lead role. And so I realized from then that like, that's, this is where I'm seen, this is where I'm understood. I could exit from Ulukhangi, so the, the queer child in a domestic violence home and whatever weird stuff was happening then, and be Charles in London. Um, I could be um, Lady Marmalade if I'm listening to Paddy LaBelle, you know, in the lounge. I can be Beyonce at times if I want to, Britney Spears, Brenda Fassi, so many people I can embody without even paying anything. So that entire thing of having to reimagine your physical playing constantly and getting to play make-believe is what sold me to it. So maybe let's start there. Let's talk about the title of um, the work, um, what it speaks to. Yeah, so... Um, for me became a conversation with myself and my ancestry because I wanted them to explain to me as to when my body is brought home to its final resting place, whenever that day comes, how will the family and the friends and the rest of the world begin the conversation of speaking about this person's death? Who's going to bathe my corpse? Are you going to remove certain things? Will you be ashamed of me leaving the ancestral realm with a flat chest and a penis between my legs and then coming back with a vagina and a set of breasts? Will you be offended? Will you be upset? Will you be rejoiceful? Would it even matter? Why did I call it uh, the coming home of harlots in plural is that inside of me. I'm able to, you know, I enjoy my level of sensuality and relationship to my sexual existence. It's not being promiscuous at all. I'm just being me. Like, what must I do? Like, how come out there? My mother gave me milkshakes. They were never left in the yard. <laughs> like, the boys are back. What are you on about? And so, and also, <laughs> I also grew up watching so many icons, um, Marilyn Monroe, Elizabeth Taylor, 
and all these personifications or embodiments of femininity for me were I was like, yes, show us itanga. Yes, show us this little, the little, little slits in the skirts. You know, the little decolletage and the drop necklines and the cinched in waist. And even when they were doing like fluid outfits, I was like, yes, give me what I want. Thank you. Other than my, other, other than my mother, those bodies raised me. Even you can see it in the costuming is that although there was a big black veil over the outfit, it was see-through. You could see everything. And I wanted, often my body when it's in the streets, is that depending on how I'm looking on that day, sometimes I pass, sometimes I don't. And sometimes I'm not even trying to shave, I'm just like, I don't need to serve you shaved legs, I don't need to serve you shaved armpits and full face beat of like of makeup and wigs and all sometimes i'm just tired and i'm just gonna rock up in like sweatpants and my beard and if that makes you uncomfortable well then you know figure that on your own um but sometimes i'm gonna show up for myself so uh, take us through the icf performance yes. you we're all standing outside Yes. And you walk out and the kind of the first thing that calls us towards you is your voice. Yes. Let's begin there. So I opened with my first story with the, with the Eastern Cape Children's Choir, Ubi Caritas. Because I have this fascination of doing up an, an installation one day at the Vatican. Will they allow it? We don't know. But I want to do my installations in the church, and I've been trying to do that for the longest of time, but obviously, you know, they just don't want that kind of work inside. And so the entrance area of Hidden Hall became the perfect place for me to do that because the, the acoustics, I can play with that. Also, I wanted to play with death, but in a bridal sense, as well as I was making references to um, Kim Kardashian's Met Gala, all black look. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think Anna went so child. <laughs> anyway, so we start off and we outside, and there's this black veil and the bodysuit, which if you were able to see it up close, is that it had Victorian embroidery around the, the, the neck, the wrist, and then the shoulders were puffy and pointy. When we walk in, it's almost as if we are carrying the casket inside, into, inside in Lini. Um, something like that. And so this ghostly presence walks up the stairs singing Upi Karitas um, quite slowly, very drawn out. I wanted us to go back to the image of people walking into a cathedral. And the boys in robes and whatever holding them. So that's what I wanted to play with. And we finally walk up the, and I keep looking back. And also the music has now stopped. There's a pause. Why do you decide to look back and turn back? To me, the reason why I was I kept on looking back was 
to see if, because I'm also playing with Mary Magdalene as being the third of the disciples, if, if the nation is following the word of the Lord. She walks up the stairs towards the hall and a small crowd follows her. The hall is almost completely dark. There are small white boxes resembling coffins interposed with white crosses placed in the room, which is littered with dead leaves and twigs. Audiences are scattered across the room, some sitting on the white boxes, a few standing. A row of flameless candles creates a path toward the front of the hall, described by the artist as a sanctuary. And then when you get to my little sanctuary place there that I made, is like a pink uh, washcloth um, and a bathtub that's there so that I can wash people's feet. I had scented oils. And on top of those two little caskets, little baby ones, also those are the number of kids that have been lost in my family either by my mother or my aunt or my sisters through via miscarriage. Um, and the mere fact that you are sitting on my mother's child, on my sibling, on my blood, as I wash your feet was a whole thing for me as well. So before you get to the washing of the feet, um, as we walk into the main hall, you speak about like the cathedral and kind of evoking the church, but it also did feel like a graveyard. Yeah. Can you speak about that a little bit? Yes. So I have a fascination with graveyards. I don't know why, but I think it's such a beautiful place to go and visit. Like probably go read a book, maybe just amongst the dead. Yes, because they're peaceful. They still, they've said what they have to say. They've done what they had to do, and they finally now at rest. And that's something I'm trying to find, and I've been trying to find for the longest of time for myself, is just rest and peace and quiet. Even growing up, yes, I wanted to stand out, but the act of standing out is hard work. It's hard being pretty. It is hard curating outfits every day to look a certain way. It's hard breathing, it's hard speaking to people, it's hard friendshiping, it's hard working, it's hard to perform. Everything just seems to be like work. My own experience is that once I have to open my ID book, people's faces begin changing. And I don't like that. So I open my ID and just be like, oh, name, say name, ID number, lovely, go, enter inside. And I don't mind people knowing that I'm trans. No, I don't. Like, I don't actually care. But the... Once, once, once they know there's like a, there's an attitude that's carried towards that. And so all these little trials and tribulations is where I just want them to end. I want them to end. I want to take them to a graveyard, put them in a casket and let them there mm -hmm. and let them rest so I can get some peace and quiet. In therapy, I was figuring, I was trying to figure out this thing of constantly be having to bury myself and what, the, and what that would look like and who will arrive and who, like I was saying earlier, and who will bathe my body. Um, and who will dress it? Will they dress it in the masculine representation that they, that they used to understand or the feminine personification that I am today? And like, it's, it's so it's the, why, we find, why I find myself in a graveyard constantly and why the performance resides in the graveyard is because as much as I'm also figuring out how people are going to relay me to rest, I'm wondering why society is constantly trying to bury me. That's just what has happened. People in the family decided to bury certain things and let it go. 
but some things didn't deserve to be buried because they had all they required was a conversation. And the mere fact that even when I go home these days and they start seeing, you know, the hair's a bit longer, uh, the girl's growing out the nails. Do I take my boobs with me to PE? No, I don't. I would never. Um, but the, the way I'm dressing is a lot more, you know, off the shoulder. And my mom's literally like, and then when? And I'm like, give me lala. Give me skirt. And then what? After that? Ha. And you can see how they just, they, they literally decide to just like, they just bury me under a carpet. Towards the front of the hall, two large wide rectangular makeshift screens sit side by side. This is where three videos are projected during the performance. The videos are compiled from found footage and take a documentary format. Each video details a narrative of a specific community reflecting on the HIV AIDS crisis protest riots for queer communities, the scourge of rape, and the killing of queer people. Realities to which law enforcement and society at large continue to turn a blind eye. So the, the only reason why that video was there, not only, the only, one of the reasons it was there, was me also having to then come to terms with the multiple times when a, a family member of ours decided to, you know, to... And, I can't even say the words. <laughs> but um, when they decided that they were going to take advantage of my body. Um, multiple times at that. And even then, I remember saying it for the first time and I was in second year to a friend of mine and she was like, oh, me too, girl. Ariana, what are you doing here? <laughs> I was just like, okay, so this happens to quite a few of us. I'm not alone. It wasn't my fault. Um, even though the family did at some point try to like put it on me, and I was just like, girl, I was six years old. Tell me I was, sedu I was, I was seducing a grown-ass man. No, no, please, <laughs> stop. Um... And I think I also just wanted to hear someone else speak about the same thing in the performance and also an opportunity of putting it out there without having to say anything. Remember watching The Color Purple? Mm. That was the first time I sat down in a class in the dark and shed like five tears, like five thug tears about what had happened to me because I was seeing it being played out on screen. I was still seeing my childhood being played. And when I was curating those videos and editing those videos, placing them together, the act of having to listen to them over and over and over and over and over and over again, it was a point where I was just there like, I'm done, I'm not doing this anymore. Here's all your money, take it back. I'm done, I'm, I'm going, call my mother. I want to be a boy again. I don't care, it's too much. I don't want to be queer. I hate it here, I hate it. I can't do it anymore. But I sat, sat it through because I was like, damn, I ain't giving no one's money back. <laughs> <laughs> and I really wanted to do it. But like, hey man, I don't know. Those videos... Those videos... Those videos... Uh, uh, it took me apart a bit. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they made me very uncomfortable. I had to, I, I, I had to watch them in the performance. I, as much as there was, the performance was for other people and for a festival, I had something to prove to myself that actually, if you deal with it today, tomorrow you have like better management skills, I guess, with it. Um, so yeah, those are those videos. And for those, I ask for forgiveness. And may I eternally depict in the chambers of love. My innocence taken from a kitty, screaming, Two of Skosana's friends sit on the coffins. Next to them, a bucket of water, some towels and rose petals scattered on the floor. Skosana kneels and begins to wash their feet. The slow and intimate act of washing each other's feet, coupled with the choral rhythm, creates a tranquil atmosphere. The physical act is also one of care, humility and love. At the back, Kyrie Eleison is playing, which is another soloist to sing with the Eastern Cape Children's Choir. Um, Why the act of washing one's feet? Um, I struggle with intimacy, right? And so in my transition, I have only understood sex through sex work selling as a business, as an economic don-don, whatever. But the intimate a relationship of me not providing a service for a client, that's not what I know how to do really well. Um, I wanted to understand why I'm unable to touch other people and why I find it so uncomfortable. And then feet, because I was referencing Mary Magdalene, I really wanted to understand why Mary Magdalene decided to wash Jesus' feet. Because I used to do it with my grand when I was younger. And like, I, I mean, I hate it. I, I hated it. Because Homegirl would be like, oh, my favorite. I'm like, mom, you see me as a massage therapist when I'm not a child. I'm here, I'm a slave. I'm here to work. When I come from work, I'm here to work. Ay, yegela. Ay, noktula. And so... She loved it, and like we would we'd have conversations with us with with each other, just with our eyes and like our facial expressions. She's just there like, mm, ah. and I'm just there like, hmm, cons, cons, Miguel, cons. And she's there like, nah. which which happened as I was with my friends because there was time where I would like their foot would slip, and she's like, go don't break me, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I obviously know these people, but like it felt different. And also, I wasn't below them, and they weren't above me. We were literally, like, sharing space together. Which, in, in drama, they're like, never turn your back to your audience. But I was like, what if I do turn my back? What if I just focus on two people in front of me, and that's that? And you can see that their feet are being washed, but can you feel it? Can you hear it? The little uh, sighs, the gentle laughter, the little quick um, snapbacks between each other. Um, this is Mukanyusa's last will and testament. Time glares at our souls in perpetual turmoil. Watching like this. And the mere fact that as this intimate thing is happening, my eulogy is being read out. Um, 
and it, felt, it, 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 it hit me and I was like, oh my gosh, my friends are actually re- reading a eulogy that I wrote for myself and I'm making them reading it out loud in public. To their betrayal. They say time waits for no one, yet... And there's this bloody liaison blaring in the background of the thing. And then as soon as I finished, I thought it would be done. And they were like, no, we'll wash your feet. And I was like, ah, guys, guys, don't, don't hijack me in my own show. Hey! And so now I'm sitting. And the, the first couple of seconds, I was just there like, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry because now everyone's doing a me. And also, why are my friends wanting to wash my feet? Why are they so nice to me? It's like... And pretty maidens all in a row. But also, it goes back to what I was saying earlier on, on learning and on, on having to learn to receive love. And accept that it's a fact, looking so people do love you. And that's that. You can't change it. Um, the act of accepting love was very awkward and uncomfortable for me, but I accepted it nonetheless because I had to. Because I never planned my feet being washed. And I was just like, okay, now I'm sitting here. And yeah, it happened. I love that because actually experiencing the performance, I didn't know that they were reading your eulogy. It sounded very much like a love letter or a poem, um, like very sensual, very, which is interesting because it kind of goes to yeah. what you're speaking about in terms of receiving love. At this point, Skosana has changed from the long old black costume to a short brownish dress. The dress is tethered, worn, and resembles flesh. Through song, she leads a procession towards Bertram's garden for the final installation. By now, the sun is gone, darkness has set in, and the garden bears resemblance to a graveyard. Quiet, peaceful, but also joyful. I imagined, because instead of the previous installation, where everything was so morbid, people were putting stuff, I was like, I am gonna lay myself to rest with my ancestors, and I am going to do it fabulously. So, you know, I'm gonna take you to the gravesite. I am going to lead you with song. I'm the liminal space between the act of dying and death itself and being buried, I'm going to bridge all of that myself. Um, because I'm doing something I ha- I've needed to do for such a long time, but I've been running away from, which is actively seeking rest. But you're going to join me on that journey of understanding what that looks like and feels like. In the final moments of the performance, Skosana burns in Beppo and invites the public to partake in an act of communion. One by one, they approach Skosana, who is sitting on a makeshift seat with two metal bins and two crosses painted in white on each side. 
She offers each person who approaches a choice of spirit, red or white, one shot for their ancestors and another one for themselves. And the intention in the garden was to burn, to have a bonfire. But because the garden is a national heritage site, I think, that couldn't happen. And so I decided to burn in Beppo, um, because now the garden became a uplante in Kundlenya Sekaya, B, um, the laying to rest of then the characters or myself's existence. Um, but I wanted people to be a part of the ceremony. Right, so um, so I send some in work up um Zimba or um Lada. To my final resting place, I will provide you with two options. If you delay, if you delay, you stop. It's hot in Dunga. Yeah, I like it. Unamle atunomi. I also wanted to thank people personally for arriving. For those that can hear. Um, taking the time out of their own busy schedules to see the crazy stuff I'm doing. I also wanted to look at my audiences in the eyes and say thank you. Um, I wanted a moment of recognition of that we've gone through this journey together. You were there, I was there, we've reached the end. Take a shot for yourself and for your ancestors and may you go home well. May what you saw here today make sense to you somehow, may it invoke something in you, whatever that may have been. It's almost like a final goodbye, you know, at the funeral, the person's alive and they're just sitting in a chair and they're saying, oh, now Zile, this is our last one, you know? Thank you for sharing life with me. Thank you for walking this journey with me. Um, I'm sorry that I've passed on but you know, it was my time, homie, and that's that. And the other person acknowledges, you know, you just say your final farewells and you go home. Um, and that's the end of it. And with that, first coffee, flight, flight, my story is right. Thank The ICA podcast is a production of the Institute for Creative Arts at the University of Cape Town. It is hosted by me, Nkhopuleng Maloi, and produced and edited by Catherine Bull. Music in this episode includes Turning to You by Blue Dot Sessions. Additional sounds and music are from Lukanyi Sos Kosana's 2022 ICA Live Art Festival performance of Inkodugo Yamankazana, the return of the home of Harlots. <laughs>